This is Steve Balton. You're here on My Turning Point, where this week I have the incredible honor of being joined by one of the true legends of rock and roll. Really fascinating conversation with the iconic Rod Stewart. I always love talking to Rod. It's an amazing experience, and you'll see why in this conversation as we talk about his brilliant new album, The Tears of Hercules, some of his most iconic songs, and much more, uh, including sex, which probably isn't surprising when you're thinking it's Rod Stewart. I can't see you, Steve. <laughs> Where are you, mate? I'm right here. Oh, there you are. Yes. How are you doing today? Oh, bloody marvellous. So not just marvellous, bloody marvellous. So what's, what? the difference be- what's the difference between marvellous and bloody marvellous? What, what makes one oh, bloody marvellous? Uh, it's the second step up. Marvellous is okay. But when you're bloody marvellous, you feel bloody marvellous. Awesome. Well, you know, this is an exciting time for you. It's a wonderful record. Thank you. It's interesting. Now, it was, you know, I've done so many interviews in the last year. I have to ask an obvious question. Was this a COVID baby or a not COVID baby? It was half and half, really, because a lot of the songs have already been started after the last album, you know, uh, Blood Red Roses. So um, it, I didn't decide to start making the album because of COVID, not at all. It was in the pipeline. Well, what is interesting about that, though, is, you know, talking with artists like John Bon Jovi, so many different people, Stevie Nicks. What was different, though, was without the deadline of a tour or, for example, in your case, the, you know, Vegas residency being postponed, you had more time to work on the record. So did you find there were songs on this record that evolved because you had if you had a deadline, that deadline no longer existed? Yeah, uh, I actually got the album finished really early because I thought it was going to come out in uh, the, the summer just gone. So my album was finished last March. So um, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, probably the only song that really relates to the um, to the lockdown is "Hold On." You know, I think that one had, may have had something to do with the with the, uh, I wouldn't say loneliness. You know, I'm, I'm I've a lovely house here and plenty of gardens and. Uh, football pitch and an indoor pool and kids around me, but I still had to shed a tear or two. I'm sure you did as well. Well, it was such a different, interesting time. It's funny, though, that with the fact this record was done, as you say, in March, right? Yeah, it was all done. Then the record company said, oh, they went, oh, we're going to put it out in the fourth quarter. I thought, that's great. I'll have Adele, you know, and everybody else. But, uh, you know, ABBA. So have the songs changed for you since you've had time to sit with them? Because normally, of course, you finish a record and then go right on the road. So the record was done in March. Yeah. And you have like almost a year to sit with them now. Yeah, absolutely. No, there was nothing I wanted to change. We actually recorded one more song, which turns out to be the second single, I can't imagine. Um, But I'm I'm sort of regimented when it comes to being in a studio, because I remember the dark old days when you'd spend hours and hours in a dark studio and never see sunshine. So, so now I, I, I go three or four hours because we don't use studios very rarely anymore, as you know. 
and my albums are done transatlantic. I was I was in lockdown in England. I couldn't leave. So to get this album done, I had the track sent over to me by my co-producer, Kevin, and I'd alter them and send them back to him. And then I'd put a rough vocal on and go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards till we get what we want. So it really was a transatlantic album. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, obviously transatlantic albums or at least transatlantic experiences. So, uh, you know, how does doing a transatlantic album in 2021 change from the 70s? It's pretty different. Say again, mate. Oh, I was just making a joke. I was saying that, you know, you have some experience with the transatlantic thing. So how does the transatlantic record in 2021 differ from transatlantic in the 70s? Technology well, makes it a lot different. Oh, well, we never did it transatlantic. What I'm saying, it would be go from laptop to laptop. In those days, I'd have to fly over and fly back. And I mean, the, the difference it's made. I mean, for instance, I would spend, I remember I did Young Turks, right? And we recorded it, and I recorded it in the wrong key because I'd warm my voice up, you know, and I didn't really know where the vocal was going to go. So we had to go back in the studio and record it all again for two days, another ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 down the drain. But now you can just lower the key digitally. Yeah. That's the difference I'm what? talking about. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's interesting, though. Let's talk about a couple of the songs. You know, one of the songs that really... I don't know about you. Were there specific songs from other artists that you tended to gravitate to during COVID or was there music that you listened to a lot during that period? Uh, no, not really. I, I'm not a great listener of music. You know, I, I listen to what's on the radio and I listen to what, what my kids are going to play. Uh, I find myself going back to the same old heroes I've always had. And, uh, you know, the Sam Cooke, Tony Shredding, well, the reason I ask is because for me, I found myself too, and I don't know if it was just because you couldn't go out, really gravitating towards softer stuff. Like I was kind of in that mellow state musically. So like, for example, I love Touchline off this record. You know, oh, were there songs you. that in the writing really sort of stood out to you when you go back and listen? Because look, you and I have talked about in the past in regards to the last record, good writing is subconscious. So were yeah. there things that emerged in the writing of this record that kind of surprised you? Um. Yeah, I think the lyrical content of, of, of Touchline, when I was writing the lyrics, I said, you're not going to get away with writing about your mother's funeral, you know, which is in the song. And it's all more or less about the way we pass the baton down from generation to generation through child. From you know, It's all about my dad watching me and me three brothers play football and shouting at us on the Touchline. And then I'm doing it now with my sons. And then my sons will do it with their sons. And it goes on and on and on and on. I didn't think I could write a song like that, but, I, you know, I've done it. I'm so proud of it. Well, it's interesting. You see, you didn't think you, like, so when a song like that emerges, like, yeah. does it surprise you how, does it, like you say, you're not sure you could get away with a song like that. So does it surprise you as the writer how vulnerable it is? Yeah, it does. You know, I don't think I would have written that song 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago. I would have been, you know, scared of the ridicule. But it works. You know, it just works. I think, you know, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but I will. Any other singer could have tried that and it would have sounded a little, you know, not right. The good Lord gave me a convincing vocal cord. So are there other songs? I also love the fact, too. You see that? Yeah. Me and Elton. Yeah. 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 
Well, it's funny. It also goes through, uh, you know, this record goes through a lot of moods, man. There aren't many artists who could get away with putting, okay, wait, I'm going to butcher the fuck out of this title, but Cuckoo Cucaramba and Touchline on the same record. For you, how important was it to have that record that really shows both sides of you? It's a lot of fun, but then also as a writer, put yourself out there openly. Yeah, it's, it's that, that track is meant to be just a throwaway bit of fun. That's all it is. You know, it was probably it was probably the one track that uh, at this moment in time that I could have improved on and maybe found a better track. You know, but it's fun. It makes people. Everybody asks me about it because of the silly title. <laughs> well, as I say, I was just trying not to butcher the title. <laughs> now, wait. Have you had a chance to do many of these songs live yet, or not yet? Uh, one more time, which is the, which is the first single over here. Yeah. We, I did it on a show. I'm doing the Royal Variety Command performance tomorrow, uh, and we're going to do it there. But it's uh, it takes your breath away. This one, I tell you, there's hardly any any gap for a breath. All right. Well, wait. When does the Vegas residency restart? It starts up in December, right? Yeah, I just finished two weeks okay. ago. I did ten, ten shows. All right. So, did you do many? Did you bring in the new stuff to the Vegas shows yet, uh, or not? Too yet? early. It's too early. The, the people just want to hear. The songs they want to hear, and that's what I do. I try and bring in new songs, but nine times out of ten, they don't really care, you know. Yeah. For you then, when it gets to that point that you can bring in the new stuff, are there songs you're particularly excited to do? Well, One More Time is going to be wonderful to sing, you know, really wonderful. And also, I don't know if I'll maybe I'll do Touchline. Depends on what the reaction is. The album only came out on Friday, so it's very early. Yeah. Well, it's funny that what you say too about, you know, the, people only hear the songs they, or they only want to hear the songs they want to hear, but you have yeah. such a breadth of catalog that evolves too. It's funny. Hannah and I talked about this. And for some reason during COVID, I became re-obsessed with the song, The Killing of Georgie. Yeah. Lovely. Great song that was too. That was one of those I thought, oh, maybe, oh, I don't know if I'm going to tread on people's toes with this one, but it's true. It's a true story. 98% of it anyway. So go with it. See what happens. And it's amazing how guys in their, you know, their 40s and 40, 45, 50 come up to me and say, I was a child, you know, I was a teenager, I was a gay man. And it was such a difficult time, the mid-70s, you know, it was like a black period in their lives. And that song helped them out. And that means a lot to me. Well, it's interesting because I don't want to focus too much on the past, but are there one or two songs that, you know, again, as an artist, you go back and revisit. And as you're doing the Vegas residency, are there songs that simply for you, you want to reincorporate because the other thing too is with COVID, right? Everyone had an opportunity to step away from the stage. So it gives you time to think about what it is you want to do. Uh, as, as far as live performing. Yeah. So are there songs that, that you really Yeah. I change the set list every night. You know, there are songs I'll put in from the, you know, I've, I've worked out, I could do four different shows and not uh, do the same songs. And all the songs would be pretty well known. Now, I sometimes like I like putting in a song called Grace, which is all about, which was on the last album before this one, which is all about the 1916 uprising in, in Dublin by the Irish Republic Army. And I'll put that in now and then, especially if I'm in New York, because there's so many Irish people there. All right. By the way, Born to Boogie. What what made this the right time? I mean, obviously, you, you've been a fan of Mark Boland for many years. What made this the right time to pay tribute? Or was it just something that emerged when the song came out? You realized that that's kind of where it was going. Yeah, we, we started, um, 
we we jam a little bit before we do a show when we're on stage just to warm up and this band started playing it and I thought this sounds like a Mark Boland song it's got his trademark there and he was he was a good mate of mine we used to go to have haircuts together and we'd go shopping together and go into pubs he was good pal I just hope his fan club like it yeah it's interesting too I mean it's funny that you say okay like a song like Touchline you said you probably couldn't have written 20 years ago as you get like more comfortable and evolve as a writer, does it make it easier then to do something where you step into the idea of doing a song that feels like work? Because again, like you say, you've been friends. I guess what I'm trying to get at is I think there does, do you feel like a little bit of nostalgia come in and it's like, okay, now I'm comfortable writing about something that maybe 20 years ago I wouldn't have done. That's exactly what it is, mate. Exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, more than 20 years ago, I was, I was a lot more self-conscious. So 30 years ago, 25 years ago, and I am now. It's almost like I go, well, look, I like the song, and if they don't like it, bollocks to them. But I also think I, I think I'm making records for my fans now, you know, because I know what they like, and it's the same music as I like. So um, it's not like I'm trying to win over a new audience or anything. I is what I is. Right. But see, that's so interesting to me as well. For you then, it's funny because obviously you had so much success. You know, you've had so much success over the years. So what is it that makes it where you get more comfortable? Is it just something that just comes with age? Oh, I think so. Yeah, you know, you've, you've, I've, I've done it all, you know. And what have I got to lose now? I've, um, I've got enough money to last me the rest of my life as long as I don't die before Sunday. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, hopefully not. Now, I mean, it's funny. Are there other artists or writers that you look to that you've admired the way that they've sort of changed and evolved and that they become sort of like uh, inspirations? And it's funny because you and I have talked in the past about Tom Waits, who always will be my favorite songwriter. But I yeah. mean, you know, you showed the picture of Elton. Are there those artists that you admire for the way that they opened up as they got older? can't think of any at the moment. I haven't heard anything from Tom for a while. No, I can't, can't answer that one. I can't give you a good question, an answer on that, my friend. Yeah, that's all right. Well, I know, unfortunately, we got to wrap up in a minute. So when you go back in here, ter ter I can't talk this morning. It's still early in LA, though. When you <laughs> go back in here, Tears of Hercules, I'm going to get this fucking title right. When you hear the Tears of Hercules all the way through, what do you take from it as a complete work? And it's interesting because, you know, like we talked about, you actually have some perspective with it because yeah. it was done so long ago. So when you go back and listen to it, what do you take from this as a complete album? Um, I've always been a storyteller. You know, my songs always have a beginning and an end and a beginning, a middle and an end. And this this is no exception. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased with the songwriting. I'm pleased with the scope of the songwriting, even though the first two or three songs are all about sex. You know, my life has been rather sexy. So, you know, especially one more time. Have you ever done that? You've broken up with a lover and said, can we go back and do it one more time? Have you? Who hasn't? Me! I haven't done it! Never? Never! Isn't it weird? <laughs> wow, so you would... There's you a song, there about taking, song on there about taking a virgin, you know, the, the second song, and she goes in to find the, the guy that she wants to have her virgin taken away with, virginity taken away with. I've never done that either. <laughs> it been close, but never done it. 
See, that's so interesting to me, though, too. It's funny because you say it again. That's where I think the mix comes in. You're like, my life has been very has been rather sexy. But at the same time, you now can mix it with songs about watching the kids play soccer and yeah. about your dad and stuff. And for you, when you go back and, and look at it, I mean, does it do you feel like you say you've always been proud of the songwriting, but obviously there's a depth now that you're able to mix together. I always think, I always thought my songs had a, had a depth to them. If you look at The Killing of Georgie, um, I don't, yeah, um, I was going to say I don't write songs like Hot Legs anymore, but I suppose One More Time is in that vein. You know, it's on, it's on my, sex is on my mind quite a lot. You, you probably have, uh, have noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, no, the songs did always have a lot of depth. And as we discussed Killing of Georgie, also, as you and I have talked about in the past, man, I was only joking. It's just one of my 20 favorite songs of all time. Yeah, it's just I a remarkable that. song. Yeah. But at the same time, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, do you feel like when you listen to it now as a writer that, look, there's a more of a diversity. There's that that sort of mix of age. And but also, like I said, still that spirit, you know, the sex is not gone. Definitely. But there's also, you know, probably when you were, you know, 25, you weren't writing songs about your kids playing soccer either. No, that's right. And I don't think I could have written a song like Hold On either, which is my little um, comment on current times. That was probably the one song that was influenced by the um, by the lockdown, you know, because I was locked down in England for 18 months. I couldn't go to America, couldn't see my kids, didn't see some of my kids for over a year because of that. And I think that, that influenced that particular song. Well, yeah, it's hard not to be influenced by everything that was going on because everybody was in such a different mental state. All right, I know we got to wrap up, but now I'm just curious and we spent so much time talking about songwriting. And I always ask this of the great songwriters. I remember having this conversation with Don Henley. For you, what's the one song you wish you had written and why? Oh, that's great. Oh, man, I don't know. There's there's just so many that I'm envious of, you know, that I wish I could have... Oh, I wish I'd have written Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know the story behind that song, you know. Steve Cropper said they were on the tour bus and Otis couldn't play guitar, save his life. And um, Steve taught him how to play in, in an open E. You know what that is? We yeah. tune the guitar to an E and you just move your fingers up. So if you tune a guitar to an E, you go sitting on the dock of the bay. And I think that's such a lovely story. And it is a literal perfect song. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. What do you want to add we didn't talk about? Because I think, as usual, we covered it all. We have, mate. Thank you so much. Always good to lovely to be able to see you. Yeah, I know. Nice to be able to do it this way. A great pleasure, as always. Cheers, pal. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been listening to My Turning Point with special guest Rod Stewart. Thanks. Tackle him hard and leave him face down in the mud. On a touchline. On a touchline. I'll die. Why choose proven quality sleep from Sleep Number? Because our Sleep Number 360 smart bed is really smart. It senses your movement and automatically adjusts to help keep you both comfortable. 
Plus, it's temperature balancing so you stay cool. It's even smart enough to know exactly how long, how well, and when you slept. And to help you get almost 30 minutes more restful sleep per night. Sleep Number takes care of the science. All you have to do is sleep. And now, during our Memorial Day sale, save $1,000 on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed Queen now only $19.99. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 